1: Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty, with your host, Brian McWilliams.
0: Hello, Electric Libertarians in this Liberty Land that we have created together, you and me, forever and ever. Just like the Care Bears. Care Bears share, my little babies. And I got those things to share with you today. And no, they're not all going to be based upon Kavanaugh. Although Kavanaugh seems to be completely impossible to ignore as new uh, developments keep springing up. And it looks like they're going to actually have Ford testify. uh, Not sure exactly when. I've read two different things. I read that she was going to testify on Thursday. Then I read she was going to testify on Friday Friday. Now it might get pushed to next week. Who knows? But I think they're actually going to vote on Kavanaugh regardless uh, as of next week. So things are moving and shaking. But before we get to that, I want to remind you that this is Electric Liberty Land episode number 91. Of course, that means you can go to lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL91 for all the show notes on today's episode. And also before we get into the Kavanaugh stuff, I got to talk about. Donald Trump's speech to the UN and I don't want to talk about him crowing about uh, North Korea and I don't even want to talk about the hilarious reaction to Donald Trump going in there and addressing the UN and he starts off just saying, you know, I've done uh, such wonderful things with my presidency and uh, getting laughed at (laughs) basically talking about the achievements that he's uh, that he has, which some of them have merit, you know, the uh, unemployment rate is quite low. The economy continues to do fairly well. Uh, He did reduce the taxes. Uh, The trade war is a nightmare, as we all know and uh, are experiencing. But it just was too funny that the U.N. crowd overall laughed at him. Allies and opponents both. See, that's how you bring countries together. You get get Donald Trump going out there and, and making outrageous proclamations, and everybody comes together in laughter. See, and that's why, people, that's why... This war against jokes has to stop. I mean, we see the power of laughter to bring cultures together, to bring people that hate each other into unison with laughter. And yet we've got all these fucking assholes trying to stop us from telling jokes, telling us what we can and can't joke about. Breaking Norm MacDonald's spine over the PC wheel of torture. Just shameful to say. So. Let's get into Donald Trump. And before we do that, though, I want to talk about Nikki Haley, who, of course, is the U.S. U.N. ambassador. And uh, I've come down pretty hard on Nikki Haley in the past, namely the one thing primarily that I continue to bring up very often that uh, was the position that the U.S. took in the U.N. courts, wherein they declined to take a stance condemning the killing of homosexuals. Why? Oh, because we didn't want the U.N. to come back at at us and say, well, you have capital punishment in your country. So, you know, it's the same thing, which of course is ridiculous and shameful. And uh, even though I'm against capital punishment, that doesn't mean that the United States shouldn't be taking a stand on throwing gay people off buildings and murdering them. I mean, call me crazy. Call me a nut. So anyway, Nikki Haley, this week in this buildup to Trump addressing the U.N., And going into a a pretty long diatribe on Iran, which I'm going to play for you guys in a little bit. Nikki Haley is reacting to, I mean, a truly tragic event in Iran where they hosted a military parade. And they had people attack them from two different organizations that took credit. One was ISIS, of course, the Islamic State, which takes credit for everything. So that probably means nothing. And the other group that took uh, credit for it was called the Avaz National Resistance, who I have never heard of in my life before. But they dressed up like revolutionary guardsmen uh, to sneak in and get close enough and then just opened fire into the crowd, into the uh, military people, and killed about, I think, at the last thing I read was 25 had actually died, and that included a four-year-old girl who, regardless of what you might think about Iran and politics in general, I think we can all agree that even a four-year-old, regardless of whether she might be yelling death to America, if someone that's four years old dies, that's a tragedy. That's not something that anybody should be happy about in any way. Uh, That's somebody whose opinions have, if they've been formed, they've been formed by virtue of their parents being uh, terrible people, just like we have in the United States. So you had 25 people die. And in response to this, you have Nikki Haley going in there and saying in regards to president Rouhani saying this quote, he's got the Iranian people protesting every ounce of money that goes into Iran goes into his military. He has oppressed his people for a long time and he needs to look at his own base to figure out where that's coming from. Miss Haley told CNN he can blame us all he wants. The thing he's got to do is look in the mirror. Now, That is so unbelievably horrible and wrong on so many levels because, and we're going to get, this is the theme of this opening monologue, by the way, we're ignoring the massive amount of hypocrisy that is involved here by the US telling Iran after a terrorist attack to look in the mirror, the same United States that would never allow a man like Ron Paul to get away with saying that maybe the US needs to actually look in the mirror. You know, we remember the, the Giuliani-Ron Paul moment wherein Giuliani just couldn't believe it, and the, everybody in the room was aghast. Well, not everybody. The people that applauded it weren't aghast because they knew it was the logical truth. But Ron Paul saying, you know, this is blowback. we we'll would be doing this to ourselves by our own actions. But I just can't get over Nikki Haley. I mean, again, this thing just happened. Telling Iran, well, this is your own fault for the actions you took against your own people. Now, In a in a world in which the United States wasn't so empirically involved all over the Middle East, and as we know, supporting terrorist groups, supporting rebel groups like those in Syria that are basically Al Qaeda, and and arming Al Qaeda, uh, another radical group to fight the Russians way back when in Afghanistan. So, in a perfect world where the United States wasn't so involved, you could say, okay, well, you know, this is fair criticism to say. Hey, look in the mirror. You know, you've been oppressing your own people, this brutal, uh, you know, religious regime that you've got in place, this brutal form of Islam that, that is controlling the country under the Ayatollah. Yes. You know, you should, uh, you should look in the mirror. If you want this to happen less, maybe you shouldn't be so oppressive in everything you do. Maybe you should open the country up, but we're not talking about that world. Are we? We are literally talking about the world where the U.S. props up all these people, where the U.S. condemns on one side terrorists and vows to fight terrorism all over the place, using that as an excuse to go into all these countries, bomb the living fuck out of them and kill thousands, if not millions of innocent people. Meanwhile, in the circumstances like with Al-Qaeda and our entrance into Afghanistan, where we still are, the longest occupation, the longest war in American history, still ongoing. Because of Al-Qaeda, because of a, a group that we armed, that we trained back with the Russians, supporting terrorism. So, again, yeah, we're supporting terrorism. Then we're then justifying that by going to say, well, we have to defeat terrorism. I mean, talk about a self-fulfilling prophecy. And Nikki Haley has the fucking vagina balls to tell Iran that they need to look in the mirror. Meanwhile, you know, we just celebrated The anniversary celebrated. Well, I shouldn't say celebrated. We just remembered the anniversary of 9-11. Did we not? Did we not have it on every TV channel? Did we not have it on every sports stadium? Were you not reminded every time you looked anywhere that 9-11 happened? We must never forget this terrorist attack. That, of course, was a result of our actions and blowback. And was stated as such by the terrorists that carried out that action. But no, we got to tell Iran to look in the mirror. I'm looking at the man in the mirror and I'm telling him to change his ways. But apparently America can't see that. You know, America's less looking in the man in the mirror, Michael Jackson style, and far more mirror in the bathroom. Just snorting cocaine uh, to the point where it doesn't matter what your reflection looks like. It's all about what's in front of your face, right? That is the U.S. We can't look in the mirror because the U.S. is so obsessed with snorting that sweet white powder that is uh, global control that we refuse to see what they actually look like, refuse to see the monster that we've become from staying up far too late and partying far too hard. Now, let's get into this press conference because that was, you know, that was the, um, the aperitif. You know, that was just a little taste of what's to come. So let's talk about Trump and his statements to, uh, to the UN. Let's start off with a little bit of uh, a taster about Yemen.
2: The UAE, Saudi Arabia, and Qatar have pledged billions of dollars to aid the people of Syria and Yemen. And they are pursuing multiple avenues to ending Yemen's horrible, horrific civil war.
0: Oh, they're pledging lots of money to end their horrific civil war. Really? You know, it seems like they've pledged far more money into continuing to support that civil war and uh, trying to win it for their people and the rebels, which they want to take over this country, uh, supporting the Houthis, or I'm sorry, destroying the Houthis, who by the way, were the uh basically the class of people. And this, there was a great interview with Mark and Scott Horton about this. I don't want to I don't want to misquote it. But the Houthis are basically the people that united with the former ruler of of that region to fight against this new government that uh, Saudi Arabia is supporting. So I I just love the fact that Trump's saying that he's touting Saudi Arabia and uh, whatever, Jordan, the UAE, yeah, all our allies who are benefiting from destroying this country and rebuilding it in Saudi Arabia's image, which uh, I guess I don't know why we want. But talking about pledging money to end the civil war after you've already spent how many... Billions, I don't even maybe trillions of dollars to blow up all the people there, and I mean, you, you've spent all of this blood money, and now just, you're trying to pretend like this coalition to to what put a couple million dollars into sending some red truck, uh, or red cross trucks in there, sending some of the humanitarian aids in there that you yourself had been blocking. For the entire duration of this crisis, this entire duration of this genocide that is ongoing. I mean, I'm surprised Trump even brought it up. I guess it reached a bubbling point where he's like, well, I got to say something about this or somebody else will. I mean, we've been helping the Saudis murder millions of people over there. We've just been letting children die because there's not enough humanitarian aid over there to help them give them medicine or basically just hydrate them. I mean, people are literally just shitting themselves to death over there and they can't get stay hydrated enough. So they're dying. That's how the that's how the kids die. So please, Donald, though, you know, placate me with this assurance that you're going to help. You're going to really put a lot of emphasis into ending this terrible civil war that we are a fucking giant part of. Dick. All right. On to the next.
2: Every solution to the humanitarian crisis in Syria. Must also include a strategy to address the brutal regime that has fueled and financed it.
0: Hold on. Is it us? Donald, is it us? Is it the United States? Because we took a big part in that. You know, we armed those Syrian rebels who then turned their guns over to ISIS. Uh, so, and, and we continue to, to arm and, and take part in, in helping the other rebels out that are fighting as Assad. So, uh, uh, how are, are we in this? Are, are we number one? And are we counting the secret support for the white hats? Or the white helmets? (laughs) I always say white hats. Are we counting that secret support? Are we we counting all the money that we're funneling to the white helmets from the CIA uh, and from the other uh, coalition of government agencies that are supporting them and giving them millions of dollars to cause false flag attacks and pretend to do the Lord's work while really undermining the society there? Is that on there too? And and do they count as the same thing or two different things? I just, I don't know where to go here.
2: The corrupt dictatorship in iran
0: ah fuck got me again
2: iran's leaders so chaos death and destruction they do not respect their neighbors or borders or the sovereign rights of nations
0: kind of like overthrowing uh you know any number of dictators or causing regime change or trying to undermine people by supporting a civil war in their own country that we have no involvement in right I mean, borders are just a social construct, man. I mean, hey, maybe Donald Trump is really coming around to libertarianism, right, guys? I mean, we do say that borders are simply lines drawn there, and that, you know, in a perfect world, we'd have freedom of movement across all these borders. So maybe Donald Trump is finally coming around to our point of view. But it just happens to be at the, by virtue of, you know, bombing people and, and regime change.
2: Instead, Iran's leaders plunder the nation's resources. To enrich themselves and to spread mayhem across the Middle East and far beyond.
0: I feel like Lucy on Charlie Brown with the football. Like Donald Trump set me up here. You know, I keep thinking he's going to be like, oh, but that's what we do. Because on his campaign trail, he acknowledged that, did he not? He acknowledged that going into Iraq was a horrible idea. He said it recently, the worst mistake ever. And yet we went in there, you know, blood for oil. We, we overthrew this country. We destabilized an entire region in order to do what? I, I don't know. Seems like probably enrich ourselves, increase our uh, influence in the region. Maybe get tighter with the Saudis. Get that cheap oil, baby. I don't even know. It's just, it's so crazy, man. I keep lining up, expecting Donald Trump to kick it, and then whoop, pulls that football. Just it, the the hypocrisy is so deep, man. I feel like, I feel like I'm a you in the never ending story. And my fucking horse and tracks is drowning in the mud of hypocrisy. And there's no giant turtle to save either of us. Somebody give me a goddamn giant turtle here. Fucking crazy. How do you say any of this in the straight face? How do you say this and ignore how big a role the United States plays in destabilizing the entire fucking world constantly? With the United States is active in something like 30 countries right now. We're expanding everywhere in Africa. We're still everywhere in the Middle East. We're everywhere all over Europe. What the fuck are you talking about, Donald? Pinpointing Iran? Iran has like nothing. Nothing. I read it's like no fucking air force. Like, why, why? They're the the biggest evil in the in the region. They're they're doing all this. They have all this influence. We have them surrounded. We literally are all around them. We're like we're in Iraq. We're in Afghanistan. We're in Saudi Arabia. We're we're partners with the UAE. We're in Syria half the time. Like, what are you talking about? Iran just wants to not get wiped off the face of the earth the same way North Korea does, by the way. And they probably just don't want to be fucked with anymore. So what do you expect? I'm not condoning the way Iran runs their country. I'm not saying that I'd want to live there. God knows I wouldn't want to live there. They've got some major issues, but those major issues don't concern me. Frankly, they do not. Concern me in the least. And I don't want my money being spent there. I don't want the U.S. going over there and fucking shit up that involves people coming back over here to try to bomb us or to kill our troops when they're in neighboring countries that they also shouldn't be in. Just unbelievable, man. I mean, people were laughing at his opening statement as, you know, that was the thing people should be laughing at. No, this is what people should be laughing at. This is the joke. The punchline is Nikki Haley's comment about looking in the mirror. You can't write a better punchline for this whole situation than that. All right, let's take a little breaky break. I'll be back with some Kavanaugh stuff and some other stories. We don't rise to the level of our expectations. We fall to the level of our training. Those epic words from Archilochus can sum up your ability to succeed or fail in business. Train to win. Visit conversationmattime.com and take advantage of a free 15 15-minute consultation just for listeners of the show. All right, welcome back to Electric Liberty Land, episode number 91, everybody. Of course, you can find all the show notes at liberty.com forward slash ELL 91. I mean, you should type it out. Don't type it like I say it in my stupid half Philly accent that still hasn't gone away. Lions of Liberty. Lions of Liberty, spell it right. (laughs) Don't just say it. Don't spell it like I said. All right. Anyway, welcome back to the show. And um, like I said, we got to get into the Kavanaugh stuff. Although do stick around if you're sick of Kavanaugh. And by the way, I am sick of talking about Kavanaugh. I am unbelievably tired of this whole thing. I just want it to be over and behind us, but it just gets more absurd by the day. And, and, uh, uh, let me just first up. first things first there's a new accuser that's come out of the woodwork with i mean i look i questioned this dr ford's accusation i laid out why last episode you can go listen to it you know i had some feedback on it people saying that they thought it was uh predictably partisan is how uh one woman put it and uh, i respect her opinion i, I wrote back to her I, I don't say i wouldn't say it's particular <laughs> excuse me i wouldn't say it was predictably partisan but I don't see how you can't – I mean, coming from a libertarian viewpoint, it's not like I automatically side with the man here. But when you're talking about a scenario in which you have somebody that is being accused of a crime, an alleged crime of uh, you know sexual molestation or sexual assault that took place some 40 years ago, which has zero people corroborating it and which the victim, the alleged victim herself – can't even put a time or a place to. Uh, she had one friend who said she had heard of it that then said, you know what? I didn't actually hear about it. Never mind. You know, I, I don't know why I said that you've got Kavanaugh adamantly saying that he did not know it. he never was there. And I'm going to play this clip from the uh, Fox news had him on, which I mean, it, it, of course it had to be Fox news. I, I wish he would have gone on a different outlet because of course, anytime you post anything from Fox news, regardless of what it is, and this is just a one-on-one interview, People go, well, I'm not going to believe that. That's Fox News. And I don't blame them half the time. But I'm going to play this clip. Um, and But to circle back to this new accuser. So this new accuser, uh, Ms. Ramirez, was a college student at Yale during the same period. And she was a freshman at the same time that Kavanaugh was there. Alleges that she was in the same dorm room and everybody was drunk in there. I guess there were four or five people in the room. And she had gotten so drunk that she was dizzy and uh, lying on the floor. And she says that that, uh, somebody put what she thought was a fake penis in her face. Didn't touch her, by the way, but, like, dangled it there as a prank. And she said, what is that, a fake penis? And went to push it away. And it turns out it was a real penis. And she says it was Brett Kavanaugh's. Or Brent Kavanaugh's. Now, the problem with this story, and it came from... uh, Farrow, again, you know, the same man who exposed uh, Weinstein, Uh, Ronan Farrow came from him, was posted in the New York Post or sorry, pardon me, not the New York Post, was posted in the uh, New Yorker. But there are some very, very serious issues with this allocation. Uh, Number one, none of the people that were there that they talked to said they had any recollection of this. So they talked to several other people that said they were in the room that they say have zero recollection of this. Uh, Kavanaugh himself says, you know, this never happened. It's a smear. And this, uh, so even in, in the actual article themselves, well, you know, here, let me just read this article. I'll tell you exactly what happened. We were sitting in a circle. She said, people would pick who drank Ramirez was chosen repeatedly and quickly became inebriated. At one point, she said she was uh, a male student pointed a, pl- a gag plastic penis in her direction. Later, she said she was on the floor, foggy and slurring her words. So again, not saying that this didn't happen for sure, but foggy and slurring her words and a male student and another stood by. She said that uh, she identified the two male honorisers, but at her request, the New Yorker is not naming them. A third male student exposed himself to her. She says, I remember a penis being in front of my face. I knew that's not what I wanted, even in that state of mind, she recalled remarking. That's not a real penis. And the other student's laughing at her confusion, one encouraging her to kiss it. She said she pushed the person away, touching it in the process. So she wasn't even assaulted in a manner of speaking where somebody touched her or forcibly put something on her. It is more of a uh, exposing themselves to her, I guess, for the sake of humor, right? And... The dick would have never touched her. She pushed it away, and that's that's how she got touched. <laughs> and I'm sorry to laugh if you're a devout Catholic, but I had to laugh at this part of the article. Ramirez, who was raised a devout Catholic in Connecticut, said she was shaken. I wasn't going to touch a penis until I was married. <laughs> I, I was embarrassed and ashamed and humiliated. Now, look, I'm not laughing at sexual assault victims. So nobody come and fucking, you know, say, oh, how can you laugh at victims? But that's, I mean, that's just such a funny statement. I wasn't going to touch a penis until I was married. Uh, anyway. So, anyway, she says she recalls another male student yelling, hey, Brett Kavanaugh just put his penis in Debbie's face. And uh, then she later, this. and it says this in the article, Ramirez acknowledged that there are significant gaps in her memories of the evening, and that if she ever presents her story to the FBI, she will inevitably be pressed on her motivation for coming forward, Get crushed around her memory, giving her drink at the party. And yet, after several days of considering the matter carefully, she said, I'm confident, confident about the pants coming up. I'm confident about Brett being there. However, they also say this in the article she had to take six days to try to remember what happened. Understandable. And of course, that entire time was consulting with her lawyer. Adds a little bit of mm, questionableness to it. And um, the other issues here is that they tried, you know, the New York Times tried to follow up with other people that were in the story and they found those people. They were able to track them down just because in the same way the New Yorker was, you know, this allegation, I'm not sure exactly how the Democrats dug this up, by the way. I'm not sure if they're, if they've got the Russians uh, or, or Hillary Clinton's GPS firm is colluding with the Russians and the British to try to comb through Facebook or Twitter posts or whatever it is, how they found this incident because she said she never want to talk about it. So uh, how does it get out there? How do they get found? But the New Yorker tracked these people down. The New York Times also tracked these people down, tried to corroborate her story with everyone else that she named, and all of those people said they had no memory of it happening. That's a problem. That's an issue. The other thing is that they tried to go and get this woman to testify in the same way that they got Dr. Ford to come and testify, and she refuses to do it. She says, well, I told my story to the New Yorker, And my lawyer will field all the other questions. So she refuses to testify, which to me also raises a red flag of, well, why why are you telling this and refusing to testify? It seems like you just want to get this one story out. You don't want anybody to be able to question it in any way, because that's what testifying would be, right? And she won't talk to other press. Thus, she has put out a dialogue, again, accusing this man with no evidence, no corroborating evidence other than... A memory she claims happened, and again, 35 years ago, meanwhile, is not going to be held accountable for anything she's saying. I mean, think about that. Unlike Dr. Ford, who I'll say, even though I have my I I don't know what happened, okay? And I'm going to play this interview with Brett Kavanaugh. I don't know what happened. It could have happened just like she said at this party. But at least she has. You know, she's willing to put it out there. She's willing to say, I will come in. I'll testify. You can question me. That makes me want to believe her a hell of a lot more than this woman who refuses to even be questioned and simply wants to say, this is my story. And I refuse to take any questions or be questioned or challenged on it at all. Okay, goodbye. I mean, this is a fucking drive by. All right, let's get into this interview and then we'll come back right after it's done.
2: Did anything happen?
0: No.
1: I've never sexually assaulted anyone, not in high school, not ever. Uh, I've always treated women with dignity and respect. Uh, Listen to the people who've known me best through my whole life, the women who've known me since high school, the 65 who overnight signed a letter from high school saying I always treated them with dignity and respect. But with regards to Christine Ford, do you know her? I may have met her, we did not travel in the same social circles, she was not a friend, not someone I knew. You don't remember ever being at parties with her ever? I do not. And this is an allegation about a party in the summer of 1982 yeah. at a house near Connecticut Avenue and East-West Highway with five people present. I was never at any such party. The other people who are alleged to be present have said they do not remember any such party. A woman. Who was present another woman who was present who is dr ford's lifelong friend Luang. has said she doesn't know me and never remembers being at a party with me at any time in her life all i'm asking for is a fair process where i can there. be heard okay so there you have it
0: that was just a small snippet because the interview itself is about 20 minutes long but I mean, what you hear there to me is a guy that adamantly, like I said, adamantly is denying what happened. He's saying, and I mean, with good cause, citing the fact that all the people that she says she was with, that she was best friends with, he doesn't know and they say they have never met him. They have no recollection of the man. Talking about this Deborah Ramirez case, like I just said, all of the people that she alleges were there, none of them remember this at all. None of them can corroborate it. None of them say that it happened. So, it raises a lot of red flags. And and the fact that Kavanaugh went on and, and did this, I was reading the CNN article, which is just well, it's CNN. So you know, it's going to be ridiculous, but CNN politics has this piece by Steven Collinson saying that somehow this is an unprecedented step forward for a, a Supreme court nominee to, to go on and do an, an interview of this nature. And I agree with them. I mean, I've never seen something like this before. Usually it's happening in the, you know, in the, the committee chambers, which is not even required, by the way. You know, Tom Woods was talking about this, you know, constitutionally, this judiciary committee. It, it's just, it's this is a pretty new thing. But to the fact that he's going on TV shouldn't be unprecedented because it simply it's been forced. I mean, you're talking about forcing someone's hand. And the biggest problem I have with this article, this, this guy's writing, is he said somehow this was a sign that it's like it's like putting the status of a Supreme court justice below and it's all Kavanaugh's fault. And this is what he's saying. Court is not above politics and that somehow now this, you know, this Supreme court nomination is just a regular government politics position that you have to campaign for. Well, yeah. When somebody comes out of the woodwork a week before you're supposed to be confirmed and tosses an allegation your way that is, Enabled by Dianne Feinstein, who sat on this for months during the initial questioning. Yeah, this is what you have to do. This man's trying to save his position. And I will reiterate, I don't know if he's innocent or guilty. And you know what? Anybody listening to this, you don't fucking know either. None of us have any idea. And all you hear in this interview is him saying, look, I didn't do it. Nobody out there seems to be able to prove or corroborate a story to say that I did do it. And also, I've got tons of people sticking up for me. I've got character witnesses all over the place. I've got decades of career behind me to cite and to point to, which is what we're supposed to be focusing on anyway, right, is career and law. And all I want is a fair shot here because he's being tried and convicted in public opinion court because you've got all these people coming out, the Me Too men and all these Democrats that saying that are basically saying, we don't support the right to a fair trial any longer. I mean, the United States is, whatever you might think about the United States, one of its stronger tenets is the fact that you are innocent until you're proven guilty. And this man is being basically tossed in the bin of you are guilty and you must prove your innocence. And that has been stated by these Democrats that are in Congress right now, which is absurd. I mean, people are literally trying to eliminate Due process. You've got, let me, let me read you a quote that's, uh, that's one of these just, it's just unbelievable. So this is what Senator Richard Blumenthal of Connecticut, who graduated from Yale Law School, <laughs> had to say. We have a constitutional duty to get to the bottom of these allegations. They are serious and credible. We don't know it, but at number one, we don't know if they're serious or credible. They're only serious because of the nature of the, the hearing. And now the person with the most knowledge about them, namely Judge Brett Kavanaugh, has a responsibility to come forward with evidence to rebut them. Okay, so you have to come forward if you're accused of anything and you have to provide the evidence of your innocence rather than having someone, you know, I mean, let's take the police, for example. Hey, hey, Richard Blumenthal, do you know how the police operate? Well, they have to get enough evidence to convince a judge or a court to issue a warrant, in which case now they can go after you for a crime. Now they can arrest you. Now you then, after they go through the steps to get enough evidence or enough of a probable cause to get a warrant that first, you have to take that very, very uh, basic step. Then you get to defend yourself and then you can prove in a court of law whether or not you are innocent or guilty, but the onus is still on who the prosecution and that's why we have a jury of peers that you have to convince. And that's why you're supposed to be found guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. It doesn't sound like that's happening here, does it? It sounds like there's a whole shitload of doubts that keep cropping up in all of these stories. And it seems like a man's not getting a chance to defend himself. And meanwhile, what what can he defend himself against? All the people that are accusing him have no one else to corroborate their stories. It's a literal one-way street of accusations. So how else are you supposed to defend yourself other than exactly what he's doing? No, I deny it. No, I wasn't there. No, there's no way I could, there's no one that could prove I was there. And here's all the people that support me and say that I wouldn't do anything like this. Anybody, you know, this could happen literally to anybody, anybody. And we see this shit play out with Title IX cases all the time in colleges where people are accused of sexual, uh, you know, Sexual nature of things, you know, allegations of not even assault necessarily sex, you know, conduct, unbecoming sexual conduct, unbecoming. And you see these people get thrown out of school and then you find out, oh, well, you know what? Either the woman was lying or they were both drunk or the school defined who actually got molested and said, well, you know, you were both drunk, but uh, we, we still think you should get kicked out. And sometimes the women even say, that's not what happened. We both, we, this is perfectly consensual and they still get kicked out. So I'm going off on a tangent. And then, so you've got people basically trying to eradicate the concept of, of uh, you know a fair trial or in being innocent until proven guilty. And then you've got people like this woman, the senator from Hawaii. And you probably have heard this, this quote already, but Senator Mazie Hirono, Democrat, of course. Who had this to say? I want, just want to say to the men in this country, just shut up and step up. Do the right thing for a change. Not only do women like Dr. Ford, who bravely comes forward, need to be heard, but they need to be believed. Again, <laughs> I don't know if Dr. Ford's brave. I don't know if she's an opportunist. I don't know if she's a psycho. I don't know. I don't know. You know, considering her background, I'm going to presume she's not psychotic, I, but I'm not going to presume that this repressed memory, which again, repressed memories are notoriously uh, just kind of well known for being false or uh, drawn to the surface by the questioner. A lot of them are total horseshit. You know how, I mean, for example, almost every alien abduction is a repressed memory. So, you know, are somebody going to come forward and be like, Brett Kavanaugh, uh, he took me out of my house and he took me into the sky up into his starship and he probed my anus. Because it's got about the same validity, if I'm being perfectly honest. That's what repressed memories are. Same validity. But anyway, let's get back to this woman's statement. So Senator Senator Mazzi Hirano says that men need to just shut up and step up and do the right thing for change. So as a man, and honestly, and women out there, you should have a big issue with this too. To say that we need to step up and do the right thing for a change presumes that, number one, all men are fucking pieces of shit. And that all men do the wrong thing all the time. Or that we just have a basic nature of, well, you know, let's go out and rape some chicks. You know, let's go uh, finger bang some broads, whether they want it or not. huh? Let's hop on the cruiser, slick back our hair, roll up some cigarettes at our sleeves and go finger banging. That's not the fucking way it works. Men don't just naturally respond and say, well, you know, uh, fuck them. Fuck, you know, fuck that chick. Fuck, fuck her opinion. Nobody cares. She's got to be lying. That's not the way it works. You know, a lot of people throw out, you know, think about your mothers, your sisters, your daughters. Yeah, yeah, we do. We, we have them. You know, I mean, my God, I can tell you, not that my sister ever got uh, sexually assaulted, thank God. But, you know, she had an ex-boyfriend that at one point when I was in college had hit her. She calls me up crying. I'm at Penn State and I'm across the world. She's in New York. I would have to jump on a, jump my car and drive. And I was out hammered, hammered. When she called me in fucking tears and I about lost my goddamn mind. I was crying. I was so fucking angry. I was, I was marching to my car. My dad calls me, has to talk me off the ledge of driving to New York because I wanted to kill this guy. I wanted to get my ass to New York as fast as I can. I wanted, I was just dreaming about him opening the door and just me just beating his face in so badly that he just have fucking like I have teeth stuck in my knuckles. That's how most men actually view sexual assault and rape, guys. That's how most men react to it. We don't think it's cool. We don't think it's okay. But you also have a giant gray area wherein who knows what's going on? Who knows if it's consensual and then somebody regrets it and reports it? Who knows if somebody regrets an action and makes up something in their mind to make that okay? Because that shit happens a lot. You know I mean look you might if you heard my candidates of Liberty interview uh, I was talking with uh, Lucy Brenton about this kind of thing and look, I had a woman make up an allegation against me in the past thank God it only lasted about a day it was uh, I'll tell you the scenario me uh, one of my ex-girlfriend's very very good friends her roommate, drunk drunk Halloween party night went home ended up uh hooking up next morning, mind you. And at that point, both pretty goddamn sober, light of day, hooking up, completely consensual. And she then goes and tells my ex-girlfriend, who was still fairly sweet on me, but it was just a weird chick, goes and tells her because she doesn't want to tell her that, you know, we ended up fucking, goes and tells her, well, oh, you know, he, he raped me. So when I got wind of that, of course, I about lost my mind. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know if I was going to be, you know, how, how, if she's going to go tell the cops this, I don't know, whatever. I get called from my ex-girlfriend saying, this is what she said. And I said, that's not what fucking happened at all. And once, thank God, thank God. Once I called her on her bullshit, she fessed up and said, no, I lied. That's not what happened. You know, I just, we, I just, I just made a mistake. I was drunk and you know, I, I'm really sorry. And you know that, but Guys, I may not be here right now. I may not be talking to you right now. I may not have a beautiful wife right now. I might be in fucking jail. My life might be ruined if this chick had gone gone ahead with this lie. And based on what? Because she felt guilty for screwing around with her friend's ex-boyfriend. That's out of my life. So you know what? I'm sorry if I don't just believe all this stuff immediately. Because when you have something like that happen to you, it puts the things in a quite a different perspective. Anyway, so getting back to this woman's statement, though, just shut up and step up. Let Let me just address that. Just shut up and step up. Number one, you're telling all men we can't have a say in what's happening, that we can't have a statement, we can't have a response to being blanket painted as people that advocate and, and look the other way for fucking molestation and assault? Are you out of your goddamn mind? I'm sorry, if somebody comes up to you and accuses you of something, you're going to be able to defend yourself, and you have a very big right to say what you'd like in response. You, uh, you, you I'd say you have pretty much a 50, 50%, You know, 50% can talk about one side, and 50% get the other side. That's how this works. When you have two parties involved in something. I mean, that's like if you went up to teachers and you said, okay, well, you know what? You know, there's a lot of, lot of female teachers, just oddly enough, by the way, a lot of female teachers end up fucking their young students. I just saw another story today about a, you know, a woman who was banging a 12-year-old. She said, I didn't know it was wrong. <laughs> well, yes. But you have a lot of these teachers, a lot of these female teachers that have sex with their male students underage. They go to jail. So instead of that, if I saw that story, and I was Senator Maisie Harano. Do I go to all teachers? And I say, hey, teachers, all you female teachers, you shut up and step up. Do the right thing for a change, all you goddamn child molesters. All of you. You can't. Nope, I don't want to hear from you. I You don't get to have a, a rebuttal to this. You don't get to say anything. All These teachers are molesting children, and any child that says anything about a teacher must be believed. Meanwhile, as we all know, the the irony of that is that teachers' unions will go out of their way, much like the Catholic priests, will go out of their way to protect anybody that actually has allegations against them of any sort of things like this. But it's just the concept of it is so unbelievably stupid. Not only in painting all men as being complicit in this, but in telling them that we can't have part in the dialogue. All right, let's move on from this. I've talked enough about it. I hope to, I hope I don't have to talk much more about it, to be honest. I, I'm, I'm sick of it. It frustrates me. It's one of those issues that, you know, even if I'm making a good point, I, I worry that someone's still going to take offense and get frustrated. Uh, so, you know, whatever. It is what it is, guys. All right, let's move on. I want to talk about uh, one more thing just to wrap this up that's a little bit more fun. So let's talk about the fact that Twitter has now kick James Woods, who has something like 1.7 million Twitter followers, off of his Twitter account. And the reason will blow your minds. Just, it's, it's it's a new low. It's a new high and a new low at the same time. So, in July, James Woods posted a tweet that included a meme from a hoax campaign encouraging men not to vote in the midterm elections. And it was something like it the, the concept of it, I'll sum it up for you. The concept of it was, hey men, stay at home and don't vote in the women in the midterm elections because your staying home will make a woman's vote worth more. Right? Now, that was from a hoax campaign. I guess it was said, uh, you know, Twitter sent him an email this Thursday, by the way. This is this is past <laughs> it was in July. And he got an email this Thursday from Twitter saying the tweet, quote, has the potential to be misleading in a way that could impart impact an election. <laughs> and James Woods even said, hey, this is a, you know, this is a joke. This is, I'm sure, a hoax, but I'm going to share it anyway because it's funny. James Woods has refused to delete the tweet and has basically told Twitter to go fuck itself. And I love that. I love it. because Number one, I do like James Woods. He's not a libertarian. He's he's pretty much died the in the wool conservative. But I love the fact that he's a man that is not willing to uh, to bow down to the Democrat slash progressive over overarching uh, you know, <laughs> dictat of Hollywood progressives, and has sacrificed quite a bit of work for it. I mean, if we're being honest, I mean, he's got fuck you money at this point. But I mean, the man was one of the A listers in the business, and now since he's been conservative, he's been regulated regulated to a uh, you know D list. Barely get work. But I like that he won't back down. I like that. He's like, you know, go fuck yourselves, you know, because 1.7 million followers now of James Woods, who obviously like his message, are going to be pretty pissed off when they hear about this. This is another instance where I think Twitter actually will bow to James Woods because we're talking about a joke meme. I mean, you're saying that we can't share jokes anymore. Now, granted, this campaign was serious, but he's not sharing it seriously. He's sharing it as a joke, saying this is ridiculous. This campaign to say that men should stay home so that women's votes are worth more in the election is stupid, and I want to share it because it's a larf. So clearly, Twitter is coming down. They have a war on jokes now. There's a war on memes. People, the meme war has begun. We have to win it. Mance Raider, watch your ass, man. Twitter's going to come for you. You and your meme and ain't going to fly. James Woods, man. Maybe I'll try to get James Woods on the show. Wouldn't that be something, guys, if I got James Woods on for the 100th Electric Liberty Land? I'm going to try. I got a few different people I'm going to try. I got some connections to some of them. But who knows? Maybe James Woods would be a, an interesting guest to have on there. We'll see. But anyway, so good on you for sticking your guns, James Woods. Twitter has hit a new low just a truly despicable platform that I thought was going to be one of the few that resisted this a bit since they didn't immediately kick uh our friend uh with the electric the man who some people say created the concept for electric liberty land because he would crow about having electric liberty in your eyes or something. Get old Alex Jones. But uh Twitter did, of course, buck Alex Jones, kicked him off the bull. And now James Woods has been bucked off of there, but hopefully this cowboy comes back with guns blazing and forces Twitter to uh, change their ways. All right, that's going to do it for this episode, guys. Love you. Hugs and kisses from me. Don't forget to listen to Mark Claire on Mondays with his in-depth interviews with leaders of the libertarian movement. Of course, I am here every Wednesday for you. You're a loving and attractive host. And listen to Felony Fridays with John Odermatt. And by the way, John had an awesome, awesome guest on last episode. Basically talking about how he got it jailed for teaching people how to beat lie detectors, which I don't even know how the fuck that's possibly illegal. It's free speech. A lie detector isn't a protected government uh, device. Like, what, what the hell's happening here? You can't tell people, here's how the lie detector works. Here's how you beat it. Somehow you could get arrested for that. So this man did get arrested, went to jail. He's still sticking his guns. He's fighting the good fight. You, you gotta listen, guys. So that was last Friday's. Make sure you check it out. Otherwise, I'll see you next Wednesday, hopefully talking about the very last of Brett Kavanaugh, one, Brent Kavanaugh, one way or the other. So for me, Brian McWilliams, from the Lions of Liberty and from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged in to Liberty.